Organizing is not getting rid of things. You organize to just give yourself access to things to make your life work better. But when you're in the process of change, you can't get organized because you can't set up a system. So what you can do is declutter or shed, and that helps bring you to a new place. Coming up, learn how to organize your life with expert Julie Morgenstern, next on Change Nation from First30days.com. Have you ever looked around your home, your office, and thought, wow, I really have too much stuff. I feel overwhelmed, I feel stagnant. Well, did you know that every year, Americans spend nine million hours looking for something that they've misplaced? That's a lot of lost time. So if you're feeling defeated by any of your attempts to get organized, clear clutter, or if you're just feeling trapped by all of your physical and emotional stuff, or even if you're in the midst of some sort of change, Julie Morgenstern can help. She's an organizing expert. She's the author of When Organizing Isn't Enough, Shed Your Stuff and Change Your Life. Today on Change Nation, Julie is here to explain what the shed process means, what the benefits are on any change that might be going on in your life, and how you can also start clearing that clutter. Julie, it's a pleasure to welcome you to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So here at Change Nation, we're all about helping people make change, face Mm -hmm. change, feel inspired that they can change. Mm -hmm. And I was curious how shedding, clutter, getting organized is actually connected to us being able to make change. How, How does that work? Well, when we're in the midst of change, we do uh, very often it's you you sometimes you're excited about it sometimes you're terrified by it you know but we tend to get very paralyzed when we're facing a change Um, and it's kind of until we can figure out exactly what we're doing next we won't move but in my experience of working with clients it's hard to create the space to think about what your next move is when you're feeling so weighed down by things that aren't relevant anymore, they're kind of weighing you down. So shedding is really about decluttering what's old when you're in the process of change and it helps clear the space to think, it sort of catapults you forward. So it's really, you declutter when you're in the midst of a change, but you organize once you have made that change and you're in the new place and now you need a system to function better. So the real difference here that I think is very important for people to get in their heads is organizing is not getting rid of things. Mm. You organize to just give yourself access to things to make your life work better. But when you're in the process of change, you can't get organized because you can't set up a system. So what you can do is declutter or shed, and that helps bring you to a new place. So is that the reason why it's so hard to declutter? Because there is an emotional attachment to it? Like, yeah. why is it that we're, we're not good at that? Because clutter is not junk. Clutter is what I call a point of entry. Clutter is, it's symbolic of an old attachment. There's a reason why you're hanging on to those 42 half-filled bottles of shampoo in your mm-hmm. bathroom. Like, it's really not just junk. Why are you not releasing it? It mm-hmm. represents something to you, your aspiration to be beautiful, to have perfect hair, whatever it is. So I think... It's very hard to release things into a vacuum, right? No one lets go into a vacuum, and no one 
if they don't recognize this is an opportunity for me to figure out what does this symbolize to me before I release it, they're not going to let it go. So you can't, no one can shame you into getting rid of things. I don't think people should minimize it. It's hard. But, you know, when we're in the midst of change, all of a sudden we're looking around and we're like, oh, I've got to clear out this closet. I have to clean out my bookshelves. Oh, my filing cabinet is driving me crazy. There's a reason for that because you want to get rid of what's no longer relevant to open up space to move forward. So what makes the difference in someone who actually goes ahead and starts this versus someone who's just going to see this, hear this, and just still kind of not move forward? (laughs) I think it's called theme. So when we're in the midst of change, we're sort of paralyzed because like, oh, what do I do? Do I keep this job? Do I not keep this job? Do I stay in this relationship? Do I get divorced? Do I start my own business? Do I just get another job? And when you are trying to figure out the specific answer, you can't move. So one of the things that I teach people is before you start decluttering, don't try to figure out what you're doing next. Just give it a na- like a theme. It's sort of like name the theme of the next chapter of your life. So you don't know if you're going to stay married or not, but what's the next chapter about? Is it about fulfillment? Is it about energy? Is it about creativity? And when people can name a theme, that's all they need to name is, what does the next chapter feel like to me? It gives them something to move toward, and then they can start decluttering to make room for that. Mm -hmm. So theme is really... It's sort of the pivot point. If you can get a theme, you're ready to start getting rid of stuff. Julia, I'd love you to talk more about the difference between physical clutter and emotional clutter. Because mm-hmm. I think before I started reading your book, to me it was all physical. Mm-hmm. And I just, I love the fact that you sort of expanded that, at least in my mind, I know you have for a lot of other people. Yeah. So I think, you know, our physical clutter is stuff, right? It's all the things in your closet that you haven't worn or you bought and you thought you'd wear, all that kind of stuff. There's schedule clutter, right? Which is things that are on your schedule or obligations that they're on your calendar and you dread them, you hate them, you're just, why do I want, what am I doing on this committee? <laughs> it's just, that leads to a lot of emotional clutter, right? Because it feels like your obligations. There's bad habits. That's a form of clutter, like chronic lateness, perfectionism. Hmm. Um, those are really actually mindlessly, like addiction to constantly checking your email every seven minutes. That's a form of clutter. It's really a form of clutter because it's taking up space and time that's weighing you down. So all of those things are, you know, clutter is way more than physical stuff. And connected to every piece of that is some emotional attachment. Like, why do you check your email every seven minutes? Makes you feel important just in case you run out of things to do. Just in case, you know, you'll be meaningless if nobody's writing to you. You see, so it becomes kind of a gateway into, like, why am I doing that? Is this something we should do by ourselves or inspire a friend or someone to help us through it? Yeah, this is something that is much better not done alone, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, you can do it with a friend. You know, you can each be doing your own shedding. Um, we, we created an online community uh, connected with it when this book came out mm-hmm. um, because it's an ongoing process and to be able to like communicate with other people sort of like a global classroom Mm -hmm. which is great so everybody comes on and they're talking about their theme or they're talking about how do I release all the papers in my filing cabinet I had a client uh, one of the one of the people in the community who went from 50 inches of files that she had not been able to touch for years this tall two drawer filing cabinet every time she went to those files she knew it was all old 
She would get overwhelmed, sleepy, depressed, take a nap. And in about five hours, she was able to go down to five inches of files, which is really what shedding is. You really like get rid of 90% of Mm. what's old. Mm. You don't get rid of what's relevant, Mm. but under there were the treasures, so. Have you seen stories of people shedding things and attracting love into their life, attracting a new relationship? How does that work? Absolutely. It sounds kind of mysterious, you know, and little woo-woo, but it's not because what happens is when you release this stuff, you really, two things happen. One, you separate your identity from your stuff. You're like, I don't need that stuff to define me. I am who I am. I don't need that. So you start to feel more confident just in who you are without your stuff, without your busyness, without this old clutter. And you start to engage more in the world. And so you attract and you, you notice opportunities when they come in. And you s- notice somebody who walks in. There's light in your eyes. There's energy. You're, you're more light on your feet. And it just brings more good into your life. And most importantly, you're free to notice it. Because I believe those opportunities are around us all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't think in our lives we are missing opportunities. They're there. We just don't see them if we're distracted with clutter, beating ourselves up over always being late. I'm such a perfectionist. I mean, people, you know, clients say they waste 30 to 40% of their day beating themselves up over these habits or, you know what I mean? So it takes time. Were you um, chronically cluttered? Is this what created your instinct to help other people? Yes, I definitely grew up completely chaotic, like famously so. Physical clutter always. Time clutter for sure. Um, The only area in my life where I was not disorganized was I could take the most complex problem and very quickly organize my thoughts and other people's thoughts. And, you know, I could organize thinking, but I couldn't organize stuff or time. And uh, that's how I ended up, you know, I launched my business after when my daughter was born. Um, I realized I may have been able to live this way but this is not fair to this little child to like pull her into this chaos so it was like my motivation to get organized and I did I got organized um I thought I would become a really dull boring person but at least be able to give her a life you know and I discovered that I could be more creative I could do more with my life I could have an idea and implement it 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 was really the opposite of what I expected I thought organizing was going to squelch my creativity but it really fueled it um, and once I got organized, I realized it's, it's scary to get organized for people who have never been organized because we are attached to the chaos. It serves us somehow. You know, we think, for me, it was a fear of losing my creativity. For some people, it's a fear of letting anybody in. I mean, clutter can be a barrier. It can keep people out. So if you remove the clutter and you get organized, whoa, people may stop by. (laughs) And that if you're not ready for that, you know, so you have to kind of understand why am I holding on to this stuff? What does it represent to me? And, you know, could I declutter my house and not let anybody in? Yes, you could. You can retreat into a very organized house if you want. How do you deal? There's one of the things I was interested in the book where, Decluttering is a lot about what you do before and then what you do afterwards. Mm-hmm. How do you resist the temptation to fill and buy? And what what happens after the decluttering? Yeah, that you can help people actually keep going and succeed. 
Well, the first thing is you have to recognize that you're going to hit. Everyone will tell you, oh, get rid of stuff. It's going to feel better. Yes, it'll feel better, but it, you're also going to hit what I call the wall of panic. Mm. And shortly after getting rid of a bunch of stuff, mm. you're like, oh, my God, this big gaping hole in space and time. And you're, who am I without that stuff? And the temptation is to go reach back and grab what you just got rid of or run for it and just fill your space and your time with anything. So shed is a four-step process. And S is separate the treasures, take what's important out, release the rest, right? How do you know what's important? You have to identify what I call treasure guidelines. Before you dive in, don't just go diving in and say, oh, is this important? Is it? You, need, you need guidelines for determining that before you go in. What are your filters? So you think about it before. Why am I holding on to this? If this all disappeared tomorrow, what would I miss? Ah, that's a treasure guideline. You make a little list. And then you, when you dive into the pile, you're just looking for those treasures. It's like a treasure hunt. You're not looking for the trash. You're looking for the treasures. Mm -hmm. So you separate those. You know, what's going to be meaningful to me? What's going to be valuable? What's functional? And, uh, you know, this client that I was talking about um, who did the papers, she literally, before she went into any folder, and she had fat folders from, like, her education from when she was in elementary school all the way through grad school. And, you know, this is a woman who was probably in her 50s, so she had a lot of years of papers. So it was like before she went in, she said, what could be in here that's really, really meaningful to me? Final transcripts, any handwritten notes from a teacher or another student, and her very best work best paper she ever wrote, the best artwork she ever did. She just wrote that, and then she was able to go through and separate those treasures. So that's separate. So let's go to the H, E, and D. Okay, so H, once you've separated the treasures, H is heave the rest. And I really mean not the philosophy of remove two things from your house every day, but once you've decided it's trash, get rid of it. Mm. Create that big opening. And that's the moment where you hit the wall of panic. Mm. And as long as you know it's coming, then you're really kind of not surprised by it. And all you have to do, it never lasts more than really, I'm telling you, two to three hours mm. up to a few days. That's it. That's usually all it lasts. So you just have to be ready for it. And then that's the E, is embrace your identity from within. You have to sort of... And I, in the book and when we work with clients, it's like you really go through, like, let's go into your life, like... Mm. How brave are you? How creative are you? You know, there's exercises to remember you are who you are without that stuff. That's the embrace your identity. And just, you know, live in the present. Don't try to make any decisions right now, you know, when you're in a change. Just, you know, establish a period of observation. I'm making no decision. That's embracing your identity. Live in the moment. And then D is drive yourself forward. And that's when you really start to experiment with what you think you want your life to be. What do you, you know, if let's say you're divorcing, you know, maybe you're now starting to play around with dating or online this or asking a friend of a friend or like, you know, joining clubs, whatever it is, you experiment, you drive yourself forward and you don't make any final decisions, but you start to experiment and play with the new direction in your life until you land in the place and you're, you know, Footloose, fancy free, self-confident, and you can get yourself to your new destiny. I'm so inspired just talking to you. I'm thinking about my office space, about my home space, and like there's such an energy of possibility that comes through you. 
Yeah, it is. It's opening. It is exactly right. You're clearing out the old to open up the possibility mm -hmm. to move forward. And I tell you, only good can come into yeah. that. You know? It's re and if you just trust yourself. I mean, all of us, as we go through change, you know, we all go through change so many times in our lives. And I think we forget how resourceful we are, you know? And think back to, you know, when you went to school for the first time, when I went to college for the first time, or, you know, we've all shown up in moments with nothing but our minds and our creativity to get through it. And decluttering kind of gets you to that space. It's like, okay, you don't need this stuff. You can figure this out. And then, you know, life really becomes exciting. Julie, we're going to take a quick break, but we're going to be right back. And I want to dive even more into depth of actions and what people can do. Okay. This is Change Nation from the first 30 days. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Change Nation. I'm Ariane and I'm here with Julie Morgenstern who's written a wonderful book, When Organizing Isn't Enough, Shed Your Stuff, Change Your Life. Julie, we were talking before the break about how shedding is very linked into changes going on in people's lives. Mm -hmm. For someone who's going through hard change, mm -hmm. it could be divorce, it could be a diagnosis, it could be an addiction, mm -hmm. it could be helping someone else through a change. Mm -hmm. Is now the right time to do this? I, do, I think it's exactly the right time to do it. I really do. You know, you can shed when you're anticipating a change to get ready for it. You can shed when you're thrust into the middle of a change and you need to get your bearings and create space to handle the change. You can actually shed when your change was a year and a half ago, but you're still feeling stuck in the past, like you haven't caught up with the change. So, I mean, you know, I've worked with clients who, I had a client who, um, well, let's take the workplace. So I have a client recently who um, walked into her very prestigious executive job at a major corporation after 20 plus years at nine o'clock in the morning and was back out the door at 9.15. Her job was eliminated, gone. And um, she, I spoke to her within hours, and she said, you know, Julie, I'm a little shocked, but I have always had this feeling there was something more. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think this could be an opportunity, which is a really natural feeling we feel when we're in a change. It's like, we didn't invite this, but yeah. is there a silver lining? And she could kind of sense that. So we just had kind of played with that sense of hopefulness. And I said, okay, I want you to now just go through your house and inventory everything that is stagnant, every cabinet, every pile, every closet, what is not moving. And she went and she inventoried all of that. And that became our list of things to potentially declutter. And then she started to clear all of that. And it helped her take hold of this change put the steering wheel in her hands and really be much more in control of it. And she's, she's doing incredible Beautiful. six months later. Yeah. What's the hardest thing for people to declutter? Like, what's the thing right up front that we should just know is going to be the one where you're like, okay, brace yourself. It's a really interesting because I think it varies from person to person. I mean, I could say, you know, figuring out papers is really hard because you're actually worried about what practically you're allowed to get rid of and what you're not. But on an emotional level, I mean, sometimes it's people's clothes because it's clothes from a, that represented a time in their life mm -hmm. 
when maybe they were feeling bitter about themselves or mm -hmm. someone they knew. I mean, it could be anything that you get attached to. You know what people really have trouble with? Actually, books. Mm -hmm. Books are so hard That's for true. people to release. You know, because they represent wisdom. They reflect back, you know, our aspirations to be wise or to be smart. Um, what we want to know about. I mean, you know, and books can be... I, actually, we had uh, somebody say, you know, but my books are my friends. They keep me company. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's okay. Then they're a treasure. Mm -hmm. But are all of them. And when your bookshelves are piled three deep and you can't see what's behind the stack that's in front, you've got some stagnation going on. You yeah. want to clear out and not keep it all. Are there differences in the way men and women approach this? Um, you know, the biggest distinction I find between men and women is... Um, you know, it's funny. Women will say that men hang on to everything. They, they, women accuse men of being so sentimental, which is really funny. It's kind of the opposite of what yes. we all think, right? But men, you know, they, get, they can get very stuck. This represents when I was, you know, young and a real stud, you know? And <laughs> this, they can really hang on to a lot. And, um, and you know, men, it, men, you can just as well imagine men who accuse their wives of like, or their women of just collecting so much and having so much abundance. To me, the real distinction between men and women has nothing to do with that. It has to do with how sequentially they work. So men tend to work one step in front of the next. It's very methodical, kind of one thing at a time. And women are a little bit more expansive, so they may start shedding three different areas at the same time. Men will do one, clear it, see what happens, then move on to the next. It's really more process. How would you invite people to best give away or use or recycle mm -hmm. everything that's being shed? Yeah, I think it's an important question. You know, we all want to be environmentally responsible. Um, and I think what you really want to do is, you know, before you even start in any category, if you're shedding furniture, or you're shedding paper, or you're shedding clothing, um, think through where you may be able to give it away to. You know, the book has tons of resources in the back, and there you just do Google searches, and if I can say that, can I say yes. that? <laughs> uh, there are all kinds of places to donate mm. things that are in good condition. You have to be respectful if you're going to give things away. Don't give away things that are scratched and stained and outstretched. Nobody wants that. It's just creating more clutter for somebody else. Uh, so assess the true value, and you can give things away. You can sell them. But remember, selling things online is can become time clutter. Mm -hmm. So I'd rather see you release it, give it away, go to, you know, I, there are sites, bulletin boards like Craigslist. You can mm -hmm. just say, any, free to anybody who will take this off my hands. Mm -hmm. And I've had clients do that, and like six people are at their doorstep saying, yes, I'll remove that, I'll remove that. So... Use the online resources. I want to focus a little more on the technology clutter. Mm -hmm. What we keep in our cell phones, how many emails are in our inbox. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not something that we typically talk about as being clutter. Usually yeah. we think of our closets, maybe our papers. Mm -hmm. What are quick, easy, practical ways to just feel calm again when mm -hmm. we're facing all of that. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And it is. It's a huge form of clutter. People's inboxes and they save everything. And then it's they saving everything from confirmation of a meeting yeah. to a really important document or piece of information. So the fastest way to declutter your inbox mm -hmm. is create a folder 
that just says processed emails, processed. Mm. And everything that's been opened, move it in there. Mm. It's like create an empty space for all the new emails. You can always go back to the old stuff later and anything that's truly unread stays out. And so you've processed is here and then it's what hasn't been read. And then you can really start, you know, what is this? You respond to it. If it's confirming something, you don't need this information again, delete it immediately. So Julie, personally, I have thousands of emails mm -hmm. in my inbox. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why is that a bad thing? Why, why is it not totally fine? How do you feel when you look in your inbox? I feel excited to check my email mm -hmm. about things that are coming in, things that are happening. Mm -hmm. I feel someday, I'll delete or file or, and yet I don't have the hours in the day to go right. focus on doing that. I just don't know if there's a negative effect and if it's actually holding me back. So it's a great question and only you know the answer to that. Like if it feels daunting to you, if every day you're thinking, I've got to carve out a few hours to clean out my email box, then that's mental clutter. Hmm. So you either have to release the goal and just say, it's fine. Yeah. I'll let them stay there and I can do little fine to find that old email. Release it. That's, mm. that's what I call schedule clutter, which is it's something that's been sitting on your to-do list mm. for a year. Let it go. Delete it. Mm. Delete the concept. Got it. Do you know? Here's another question. How do we help and inspire someone close to us, a loved one, a family member, a parent? that maybe has a lot of this issue going on, but yeah. it's not us. Yeah. And it, it's something we'd love to share with them and help them with. Yeah. What's the best way to do that? You have to, you, you have to tread very respectfully. And you have to try to tap into what will that person gain. You have to find their vision for their future that clearing clutter will help them get to. So it can't be focused on you've got to get rid of all this stuff. It must make you feel bad. How can you find anything? You can't take that approach. It's what is, where, what would they like in their life or what would they like to be doing that they can't do right now? And you get them focused on that, then the decluttering helps them get to that goal. You have to focus on the other goal. I We were called in with a client who um, was slightly elderly woman who lives in a very exquisite building in New York City, so comes from great wealth and had not let anybody into her apartment for a couple of years and was piling and piling and hoarding and hoarding and hoarding and the uh, mail room in the building was getting filled with QVC purchases and you know so something was going on and they were going to evict her because they felt it was a fire hazard, health hazard and she let me in, and I was the first person she let in in almost two years. She wouldn't even let the super in to change the light bulbs. And um, I got in there, and I just sat with this woman on the sliver of her bed that was still free. And I asked her, I said, forget what they're asking for you. What are you unable to do? And she wanted to enjoy music again and, you know, get out more. And she just had gotten behind and sort of overwhelmed and went through a period of depression and it all accumulated and she couldn't dig her way out. So we just focused on the payoff for her and it was extraordinary. We, we dug her out. Wow. We just dug her gently wow. out 
toward her own destination, not toward the buildings, not toward anybody else's judgment, but what's she going to gain? Make me remind myself to ask you the question about time. How much should we, could we get done in a day, in a weekend? Should we spread it out over 30 days? Should we give ourselves as much time? Should we put a deadline on ourselves? Do you mean on shedding? On shedding. I actually think that if shed is so connected to change that I actually think the full process is really, it's about a year and a half. It's about 18 months from I'm paralyzed, I'm sitting in front of a change, I can't move, to starting to declutter one pocket of clutter at a time, and then you sort of into your change. Mm. but, um, so it's not the weekend warrior thing. No, I'm going to get it not. all done this That's weekend. That's organizing. Or you can okay. organize your bedroom in a weekend. You can organize your garage in a few days. You can organize your filing system in several hours. You can't declutter and as a catalyst for change like that. It's an ongoing process. But the first job, I say, should happen in the first 30 days. In the first 30 days, take do an inventory of everything that's stagnant your physical stuff and your schedule, look at your to-do list, what's been sitting on there for months or years, and pick what I call the first point of entry, the biggest, the thing that's taking up the most room Mm. that you have the least attachment to, Mm. and shed that first. And then, and you should absolutely do that in the first 30 days, and I guarantee you, you will then do at least two more pockets of clutter once you get the, so get the first one done in the first, it shouldn't take you more than, you know, within a week, it's a few hours. And if you do three clutter decluttering projects in 30 days, you are well on your way happily to the change and the opportunity for growth. I love it. Yeah. Julie, such a pleasure to have you on the show. It's Thanks for all the tips, all the insights, all the people that you're going to help. Thank you. For more information on Julie and her wonderful work and her new book and her documentaries, please visit her website at www.juliemorganstern.com. For more information on getting organized, any other life changes that you might be thinking about, pursuing, or embracing, or maybe even struggling with, please check us out online at first30days.com. You've been listening to Change Nation. I'm Ariane. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Change Nation from First30Days.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes in the Society and Culture section under Philosophy. Remember to take time to leave us feedback about the show. We'd love to know what you think. Change Nation is a production of the First 30 Days Incorporated. Copyright 2008. All rights reserved.